everybody! Welcome back to part two of Coco Chanel. If you didn't catch part one, you should probably do that, or a lot of this will seem uh, to not make sense. Sweaty, it's no surprise that everyone celebrated your demise, and now worms are eating your eyes. So don't you worry, rotting head. Sleep in your sodden bed. It's time to respect the dead. Uh, I'm Hoots. I'm Kellen. And I'm Mandy. And uh, we, where we left off, Coco had just split up with her lover of ten years, uh, Bendor, Duke of Win- Westminster. I keep wanting to say Windsor by throwing an emerald in the ocean. Yeah, like a petty rose from Titanic. <laughs> yes, okay. I love it. It kind of bothers me because, like, take it, sell it, use the money for something useful. Like throwing, like I do, I do stand throwing it in the ocean, but like maybe get a fake maid and throw that in the ocean. In front of him, like, <laughs> right. You do like a little, little hand swap. And be like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some sleight of hand. <laughs> yeah. So sometime after her affair with Bender, Coco took up with the French illustrator, Paul Irib, who was also a strident anti-Semite prone to raging fits about the Jews He and Coco would often express their disgust at French Jewish labor organizer Leon Blum, and Chanel financed Irib's ultra-nationalist conservative magazine Le Tremoine. I'm going to show you a link to some of his illustrations in the magazine. Oh, I bet these are going to... Yeah, these are not going to be good. This is going to look like art inside of a Harry Potter novel isn't it? <laughs> they're not yeah. all as bad as you think they're gonna be uh they're they're very striking uh some of them are as bad as you think they're gonna be though. oh my god oh what's her neck that long <laughs> why does everybody draw her with this long ass neck she had a pretty long neck <laughs> i'll include some of these images on uh the instagram normally i think we only post like four but oh the, like the one where she's whispering, pointing, and then there's like the hammer and sickle, like yeah, off the she's water. Like, I'm like, I kind of love this image, but I just I don't want to like download it and put it on a t-shirt if it's anti-Semitic. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is anti-Semitic. Okay. But she's whispering to like I guess part of France, unless that's an actual guy. I can't quite tell. So she, yeah, confusing. he drew like she's supposed to be the. Um, spirit of france marianne but he based her off of coco so she's meant to look like coco oh and okay yeah you know what i know we were shitting on that political cartoon guy but like there needs i need more labels any more labels on these on these political cartoons there's definitely a very racist depiction of a chinese man on the cover of one of these yeah uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, just scrolled right down. You just yeah. got to that one? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's bad. It, the pictures that aren't, like, explicitly racist, like, are very, like, cool illustrations. No, like... like <laughs> he was very talented. The, the, the art is very striking. Mm-hmm. It's but, very like, good propaganda. 
for like the first couple and then you scroll down and it just keeps and getting like, worse oh, and no. worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh no. And you go like, oh, that's not what you should draw. Please don't. <laughs> oh, that's not what you should draw. <laughs> yeah. Please don't Fair. do that. In 1935, Irib would suffer a heart attack while playing a game of tennis at Coco's uh, Villa La Posa, and he died, and she watched him die. Uh, that was another Ooh. event. He like, was like at- call, the pol- call the ambulance, and she was like, absolutely <laughs> not, cutie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she was very upset about it, like, it, okay. it relating to, like, the... Uh, the death of her other lover who died in a heart, uh, a heart attack. It died in a car crash. She was triggered. Uh, this is like another thing that she like relates to later and said was horrible. It is horrible to like watch somebody have a heart attack and I would, die right in front of you. I would yeah. think so, yeah. yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's scary. So she, she was very scarred by that. By 1936, the Chanel brand employed thousands of workers, many of them young women. And in May of that year, over 4,000 Chanel workers in Paris participated in lockout protests in favor of better wages and benefits. Coco, of course, blamed the Bolsheviks and the Jews for corrupting the minds of the young women working for her. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tale the reason why time. these people are striking is because of the Jews. Every Not because rich of anything person. I did wrong. Yeah. Just like I'm getting flashbacks to Henry. They just Ford. don't want people just don't want to work anymore. People just don't want to work for nothing anymore. So much for the tolerant oppressed. <laughs> so she did declare that if her employees wanted socialism, she'd give them socialism. And she offered oh, no. to sign oh. over she offered to sign over her company to her workers under the condition that they elect her supervisor and allow her to make all the company decisions. <laughs> so like, isn't that the same? close honey you're close <laughs> but no <laughs> so isn't that still the same thing <laughs> that she was already doing basically i guess like i i guess like that offer probably would have given them stock yeah they would have access to profits i guess yeah instead. it would have given them but, stock like, in the company. but she's still they? in charge because her like, decision could be you have no access to the profits that. right right like yeah. she could be like you have you you're equal owners and as equal owners, I've drafted the equal owner contract, mm-hmm. which states that you are actually making less money than you did before. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they yeah. refused. They refused, but they <laughs> they got their higher wages and better working conditions. We love that Good. for them. Yeah. At like, the start rip of- off that Nazi bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the start of the Second World War... In 1939, Chanel shuttered her business, declaring that it was not a time for fashion. Uh, (laughs) Chanel biographer Hal Vaughn speculated that closing her atelier shop was partially retaliatory, uh, as the same 4,000 workers who went on strike three years earlier lost all their jobs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. As they got further into the war, like, more fashion houses did close. But at first, like, it was a big shock that she just, like, like... War was declared, and she was like, "Well, we're closing shop. We're not. Fashion is over. Fashion is dead." Yeah. It was definitely just her being a petty asshole. <laughs> I'm done. So fashion is dead. As we w- might remember from history class, by June of 1940, the Germans marched into France and installed the Vichy puppet government, headed by Marshal Philippe Pétain. Days before the Nazis made it to Paris, Pierre Wertheimer, the businessman who, with his brother, owned 75% of uh, Chanel No. 5, fled to New York. 
because the Wertheimers were Jewish. Before fleeing to the States, Pierre Wertheimer transferred Parfums Chanel and another perfume business he owned to an Aryan French businessman named Felix Amio in order to prevent the business from being confiscated by the Nazis under the Aryanization laws. Coco, meanwhile, petitioned high-ranking Nazis and members of the Vichy government to return her business to her under Aryanization laws. She was like, these Jews screwed me. She's like, I'm with you, bestie. Yeah. So I would like to own that 70-75% of the company again. <sighs> Amio, who's like, I, I don't know a lot about him, but he sounds like a complicated char- character because he also was like collaborating somewhat but he was also like helping jewish people um sounds like a complicated guy uh he produced documents of forged documents of the sale to him uh and hitler ruled in his favor amio was a collaborator who manufactured aircraft for the third reich so a lot of historians think it basically came down to perfumes or planes and planes yeah. won out. Yeah. Chanel maintained her apartments in 31 Rue Combon, but during the German occupation, she took up residence at the Hotel Ritz, which also happened to be the preferred place of residence for higher-ranking German officials during the <laughs> French occupation. Shortly after the beginning of the German occupation of France, Coco met a handsome German officer named Colonel Hans Gunther von Dinklage. He's back, guys. It's He's von back. Dinklage. Welcome back, Dinklager. Dink. Dinky man. We had him on ice, and now we're ready to bring him out. <laughs> we actually, like, I can't wait till we we have, like, a real live show, like, on stage. And like halfway yeah. through the stage, we're like, and guess what? The body's <laughs> here with us today. And we like drag out like the exhumed corpse of Jesus fucking Christ or something. Jesus, Jesus fucking Christ. Looks surprisingly just, well. Can, can you imagine us like kicking over a coffin, like just like it rolls down the stairs <laughs> and out just pops up a body? <laughs> um, right. So instead of. We pull out a couple of chicken bones. So instead of having like some, some sexy, some sexy like undertaker orderly vibe where like three gorgeous men like drink bring out the, <laughs> the like the metal like wheelie cart Gurney. that they keep corpses mm-hmm. on like Instead, some chippendales we we've had a a coffin on stage in front of us the entire time that everyone thought was just a prop but then halfway through <laughs> we all kick it and it falls over and a literal fucking corpse, corpse comes out <laughs> the sticky the sticky fucking corpse <laughs> It's iconic. Is this like coming out of the eye as it like the puddle gets closer and closer to the first row? If this is what I get canceled for, do you know how fucking metal that would be? (laughs) So metal. I'm sorry. We're going to have to figure out how to make a fake corpse that we can kick out of the coffin. Yeah. Or how to get a real corpse and not get in trouble. Not somebody donating their body to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the highest tier. That will make them. We'll make a new tier. That's like yeah. If no, you no, give us a thousand dollars a month, show your course. It is a zero dollar tier, but we do get your body. <laughs> like it's like Scientology's million year pledge. <laughs> oh no! Right. Like I'm just imagining someone going to our Patreon page and like, huh? It's weird. There's a fifty dollar tier, and then there's a you donate your body to us when you're dead <laughs> tier. I don't think Patreon like, lets you do that. I didn't know it's that was the a power thing. of attorney tier. <laughs> <laughs> 
executives of Patreon. <laughs> we have oh, demands. Back in 1933, von right. Dinklager had been called to the German embassy in Paris and was ordered by Hitler to work as a propagandist and spy for the Gestapo. Von Dinklager, sometimes known as Spatz or Sparrow, was an excellent choice for a spy. His mother was a German woman who had been naturalized as, as an English citizen, and his wife, Maximilian Henriette Ida von Schönebeck, claimed partial Jewish heritage through her mother. So the two would often travel throughout France, claiming to be the part English, part Jewish refugees of Hitler's Germany yeah. while they were spying for the Nazis. Prior to the declassification of French intelligence documents in the 1970s, Coco, those close to her, and the Chanel brand would use this English defense to distance her from the actions of Spatz during the war. Coco and Spatz exclusively spoke English when together, which lent Coco kind of an air of deniability later on, because she would be like, well, he's not German, he's English. <laughs> we say... With German parents. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you slipped into German there. <laughs> my French and my German accents are very close. <laughs> yeah, you, you went from like, from like high as fuck Coco Chanel to like sissy boy yeah. Hitler. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you've done your Hitler impression. Those uh, accents a few are times. not very far off. It's, it's hard. Like, I slipped we did from the... one to the other. It's we like, did the Henry Ford episode. Yeah. Yes. You did the, the Hitler voice. It sounds very similar now. Yeah. It's like the way a lot of people, when they try to do Ooh. a Welsh accent, accidentally slip yeah. into like Indian. Uh, I go from a high French person to gay German person very easily. <laughs> While the majority of France and the Low Countries starved under war rationing, Coco, Spatz, and Coco's high society friends like Jean Cocteau and Misia Sert ate multi-course meal meals and attended fancy parties with high-ranking members of the Nazi party and the Vichy government. And here is a picture of Coco on her balcony at the Ritz. Still looking fucking great at almost 60. It's horrible. Do they have the sun back then <laughs> like where was she <laughs> yeah and actually she was famous for popularizing sun tanning like this woman did not take care of her skin she just had really good genes you know why this is pre-climate change it must be yeah the sun wasn't as there weren't so many holes in our ozone i mean the lighting isn't great she might still have some fine lines she looks fucking amazing it's a great picture of her though she looks like angelina like 20 years she looks ago so yeah. hot. i love that picture yeah she does damn it i hate how much i like her sometimes i really do she's so pretty god she's yeah. she's also like again she's not like living like a nun and taking care of her skin like some of these celebrities these days who look like they're 30 when they're in their 50s like this woman <laughs> is doing morphine every fucking night she's smoking like a chimney like she barely she's tanning. She, like, she didn't have microdermabrasion she wasn't doing like micro needling or whatever the fuck like absolutely not she, was just, she wasn't getting right. injections we need to like dig her up, get a sample of her DNA, and figure out if we can use it. No, maybe we don't yeah. use Nazi DNA and skincare products. <laughs> like now that I think about it, I could tell. I think that's the only ethical use of Nazi <laughs> DNA. <laughs> I just feel like just because we can, should we? Certainly, it's better than like all the. <laughs> 
It's really better than all the storylines that involve like Nazi clones or something. There's, yeah, so. there's yeah. a lot of clones. As early as 1941, Coco Chanel became known by or began working with Chief of SS Intelligence Walter Schellenberg. Her Abwehr spy number was 7124, and her code name was Westminster after her former lover, the Duke of Westminster. So the spy number is something that has also been the subject of some dispute among historians and activists and has received some pushback from the Chanel brand because some spies of the Abwehr were actually not aware that they were spies uh, or had numbers. Not everyone providing information to German military intelligence did so with their knowledge or consent. So that was also like a point of like deniability with um, Coco after the war and with the brand is like just because she had a number didn't necessarily mean that they could have an asset that was utilized she was doing it intentionally like they they like to do that they they like plant people in your life um who can use you totally and and that's like so that's i guess that's what they're oh, saying yeah. okay and if the story like, is how does she not know she's a spy but like yeah. right like how would you know like <laughs> 007 definitely knows he's a spy and everyone <laughs> else does too <laughs> yeah if she if she genuinely thought that uh dink laga was an englishman that she was or like a half german half english guy that she was dating who wasn't involved with the Nazis but yeah. escaped Nazi Germany and uh, he w- actually was a spy and was providing information. Like, she would still get a spy number and um, there would be records kept of, like, information they yeah. gathered from her. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was, like, a, a source of, But then, of, like, like, also she was like, you know who I hate? Yeah. Jews. So they're using her, like, so a... Like- <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too. Two... Okay, to be fair, to, like, uh, again, like, treading the plausible deniability line back then, <laughs> okay. the allies hated the Jews, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't necessarily mean anything. Winston Churchill fucking hated the Jews. <laughs> and Indians, really hated Indians. I don't like any of the people in any of these stories we uh, Everyone was <laughs> racist back then. <laughs> it was so cute at the beginning. She fell so far in my mind. I was like, and now know, like, it's not... <sighs> I mean, the U.S. was like, before we entered the war, and I think even after, we were like turning away Jewish people in droves. Yes, yes, we uh, were. People like the Wertheimers who escaped to New York only did because they were fabulously wealthy. Yeah. And the U.S. is like, oh, yes, please bring your business yeah. here. If you're rich, we'll uh, we'll welcome you over. But if you're more of a refugee, like a poor refugee, then we don't want you. Yeah. Um, which the uh, Pierre Wertheimer, when he went to New York, he immediately established uh, Coca- uh, uh, Chanel Number no. 5 uh, there in New York and started selling it. Like, he immediately established a yeah. business. I'm sure that was, like, part of the conditions of his. Not all the, uh, like, wives of, of the, of like, military officers probably. in the U.S. being like, oh, my God, we could have Coco Chanel. We could have Chanel Number no. 5 here. You have to let them in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to pay the import fees. <laughs> okay, so all that deni- plausible deniability has been laid out. However, in 1943, Coco and Spatz traveled to Berlin to offer Chanel's services as an agent to Heinrich Himmler. Coco pressed her close relationship with Winston Churchill and promised that she could convince Churchill to negotiate a peace with the Nazis. 
Operation Model Hut, or Operation Model Hat, as it was known, would see Coco travel to Madrid. Operation Hat Maker. Do you like that code name? Yeah, I was just thinking that. Literally. 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 Like Operation she was like, Hat, hat Maker, maker is a war. slur. Not the H slur. Did you say the H slur? Hat Maker Mandy? von Hour. That's so good. I did. I did. Oh, for hat maker. I thought you were make. I thought you meant for a whore. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought I know, that I the joke was. I thought there was like eight. I thought there was like eight Sorry, levels. The hat slur. And it was like wait, hat no maker. hat maker. <laughs> Operation. I am whore. not that clever. I, hat I maker appreciate whore. it. Oh god. <laughs> Okay, one. Horror with a capital H. Operation Model Hat <laughs> uh, would see Coco travel to Madrid to convince officials at the British Embassy to deliver a letter from Coco to Churchill that alleged that certain high-ranking Nazi officials wanted to remove Hitler from power and end the war with Britain. Operation Model Hat failed and Coco returned to Paris and it is unknown if Churchill ever received Coco's letter. So that's like the most damning piece of evidence that like kind of confirms that at least for this thing, she explicitly was aware of uh, the information that she was providing to the Nazis and stuff. And she was like colluding on their behalf. Everything else, there is still like a level of plausible deniability, but like it's certainly but like the plausibility, the, the plausible deniability kind of go away if there is like this more hard, <laughs> like, um, you, yeah, you can't ver, like evidence here, like, to be like she was aware, yeah, has plausible she was aware that that Spots was working like, with well, the Nazis. I don't know if we killed yeah. him, like, there's a body. Yeah. But we don't know who did it. And sure, you're holding the gun that killed him. But like, and I saw you do it. It's like, at some point, like, I get what you're saying. It's like Chanel. We're we're talking about legal. Yeah, I I see it. But it's just kind of like, well, I don't know if the Nazi shoe fits. Uh, (laughs) And like, that's a possibility. She she definitely colluded in this one way. But in this other way, we're not so sure. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, sure. Exactly. Exactly. Well, (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm not holding any water for this woman. Like, do you know what I mean? Push, like, <laughs> push, push her in the ocean. Make her find her emerald. Exactly. Yeah, throw her in the ocean like a like a chunky emerald. Throw her in the ocean sea. <laughs> <laughs> Just plunge in that ocean sea. Go deeper, baby. Stick that long, lanky woman's body down there. That neck of hers, she'd be going places. Ooh. <laughs> oh no not going places <laughs> i just know her glug glug game was, was oh absolutely she doesn't even need to glug s tier she, is she just doesn't like, i bet she looks like one of those sword swallows she's just baby <laughs> bird just like, she just relaxes the whole throat and it just goes all the <laughs> way back coco von Hor, human fleshlight <laughs> chanel <laughs> the funniest thing is like unlike nancy reagan i think if coco chanel could hear our glug glug jokes about her she'd probably she think we we're fucking hilarious <laughs> right <laughs> she'd be like these they're... stupid jealous bitches who wish they could be me they never will be they're so, they're charming. so charming. charming they're so charming <laughs> those disgusting deviant queers oh. and hoots <laughs> Okay, but I kind of want a shirt that says they're so charming. 
like, I feel in the like Chanel font. Yes, they're yeah. so charming. Yes. Interlocking okay. C's on the charming. Yes. Oh yes. my. Okay. Yes. This, this is going to be one of those things that I let us forget. Um, I'm writing it down right now. It's also going to really, be in the episode. Did we ever? No, but I need this now. You see. Did we ever start a spreadsheet of like shirts that we keep? No, we because really we're garbage need people. We probably should we're bad at our point. jobs. Because <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> Dear listeners, if you're listening to this and then you're going backwards, um, can you just tweet us all of the all of the shirts that we said that we wanted? Can you can you do our job yes, for please, us? Thank, thank, you. thank you. But but still pay us over on patreon.com yeah. slash respect the dead. <laughs> we have a seventy dollar <laughs> tier that allows uh, you to do unpaid labor for us. <laughs> In the spirit of Chanel. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Following the liberation of Paris in August of 1944, 20,000 women accused of collaboration horizontale, or having sexual relationships with German occupation forces, were dragged into the streets and had their heads forcibly shaved. I've just sent a photo. Just shaved? There's thousands of these photos. I mean, I think some of them were beaten. Probably a lot of them were also raped. Okay. And well, probably a lot of them worse. accused of horizontal collaboration <laughs> were assaulted. Were also rape victims. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a, a few of the women would actually have the swastika branded into their flesh. Jesus fucking Christ. Inglorious bastards. Yeah. Never seen and that. It, as I was kind of alluding to, it should be noted that many of these women actually did not engage in sexual or romantic relationships with German officers. Uh, some of them merely provided professional services, like working as laundry women and that kind of thing. And uh, others were falsely accused. Of I mean, course. it was like a very good way to level any yes. retribution at people, uh, like yeah, get back at people. I hate my yeah. ex, so I might as well you can say get she her fucked shaved, a German. Yeah. And presumably, some of them did not willingly have sexual relationships with German officers, uh, as is the nature Mm -hmm. of war. Civilian collaborators who were not horizontal collaborators, including physicians who treated occupation forces, were shot on sight. Uh, It was referred to at the time as a purge or a, a purification. Within days of the last German troops, Evacuating Paris, Coco Chanel hurried to give bottles of Chanel Number no. Five to American GIs, <laughs> handing them out. Don't kill me! Doesn't this smell so good? Oh my god! Thank you for being here. <laughs> oh here my, you go. Give these to your girlfriend. Oh my god, thank you You're so welcome. much for coming. You saved us all. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for coming here, you hunky American. Yeah, running out of That's the my bad French accent. We're all doing bad French accents here. It's okay to be racist against the French. Just like running out of the Ritz to like hand GIs perfume bottles. <laughs> here you go. But like again, while people iconic. haven't eaten bread in like eight I months, <laughs> I just imagine them like hallucinating, think it's an apple, and starting to eat it. <laughs> I just see them. I just see her like stepping over the like the people on the street that are like <laughs> like lying there just like skipping over bodies to be like oh hey ha- have you ever smelled my delicious perfume <laughs> i so i've read barry paris's biography of audrey hepburn because i think she's like a fascinating woman and this period of her life is so fascinating and she was in holland at this time um the low countries were also occupied 
And to be fair, they had a famine, but in addition to the six month famine, they were also like uh, doing like the rationing and stuff that, that was happening in Paris. Like in Paris, people were starving too. Uh, And her description of war is like, um, I think it's like, it's called edema. Like when you start filling with fluid because you've been starving so much. And she was describing this like when she was 16 and she was like, it started at my ankles and it started traveling up to my knees. And everybody told me if it gets to your heart, you die. And she was like, I would just spend all day laying in bed because I couldn't move anywhere. And it's, it's like contrasting like that with this bitch who's been living at the Ritz, like at the Ritz. in my mind, yeah. is just like it's it's blowing my fucking mind. Chanel was quickly arrested by members of the Free French Purge Committee, who Chanel called the Fifis. <laughs> That's a slur. She meant it as a slur. That she absolutely did. She did. The Fifis. A thousand percent. Uh, the Fifis. They were also popularly known as the. Uh, Again, I'm going to say things wrong. Eparation, the the purification, uh, because I mean they were they were killing people, <laughs> they were executing people. Yeah. Some rightly so, and others not so much. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, she was taken in for questioning about her relationship with von Dinklage and the Gestapo, but she was released within a few hours following her good friend Winston Churchill's intervention. Oh, fuck. Churchill yeah. called up and he was like, yeah. let my girl go. Again, her, there are no heroes. There yeah. are no fuck heroes. Go. Who the fuck no. do you think the makes Alice. my hats? <laughs> exactly. In addition to the nepotism, to just being that charming sportswoman that he couldn't stop fucking writing home to his wife about, <laughs> it was believed that if she talked, Coco would also expose and implicate high-ranking British officials and members of the royal family, such as her close friend and sometimes lover, the former King Edward VIII. He and his wife, Wallace Warfield Simpson, were dedicated Nazis. And here, I'm going to send you a video of the young future Elizabeth II uh, doing a Roman salute, the Nazi salute, in 1933 uh, in Balmoral with her sister Margaret, Queen Elizabeth II. uh, Sorry, her sister Margaret, Margaret, her mother, the Queen Mother Elizabeth, and uh, the uh, Prince Edward. Wait, no, he... I can't remember if he had already abdicated at that time. Anyway, I'm going to send you a radio right now. Oh, yep. There she is. Oh, they're all, they're do- all they're doing, doing it. it. They're all doing they- it. And they're just doing it a lot. Just over and over again. <laughs> She's just jumping. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's frolicking. Okay, I got She's stop. doing a Nazi salute. And that's what he was trying to do before he... Bliss, blessedly ad, abdicated to marry Wallace Warfield Simpson. And then he and Wallace just like traveled Europe for the next several decades um, being racist alcoholics until they died. <laughs> He's got to be an episode too someday. Yeah. So Coco left the country immediately for neutral Switzerland where she remained in semi-exile until 1953. In 1947, the Wertheimers, ever magnanimous for some fucking reason, renegotiated their 1924 contract on Chanel Number no. 5 with Coco Chanel. 
in addition to paying her wartime back pay equivalent to around $12 million in 2022 money, they gave her 2% of all Coco Chanel number no. five sales worldwide, grossing her around $34 million a year Jesus. in 2022 money. Jesus. Even fucking weirder. Because, like, the Vertimers knew that she tried to fuck them over during the war. Yeah. But still mm-hmm. came back and did that. And even fucking weirder, as part of this renegotiation, Pierre Vertimer agreed at Coco's suggestion to pay all of Coco's living expenses from the trivial to the large for the rest of her life. What the fuck? So he was paying for what? her lifestyle and then giving her money on top of that. What the fuck? For the rest of her life. And he was like, okay. Okay. I just like... She had to be really charming. Charming as a gay. Like, there had to be something about her. Must have been, yeah. (laughs) There's something about her. Like, she could just, like, talk men into doing everything for her. And she did. Her entire Mm -hmm. fucking life. And she became one of the richest women alive by doing it. Like, Jesus. Like, yeah. If she hadn't had support from other people, she would have been a street rat. Like, my friend Aladdin. Like... Yep. It's... There's no... Like she didn't have any, there was no like nepotism in her family. Everybody was like poor as fuck. No. This is, she, her right. entire life. In a sense, she was a self-made woman. Defined, but yeah. like her, the work that she did was fucking her way to the <laughs> Which I, mean, I, I support. Yeah. support. Right. I think that no, is valid still, work. Like, I think that's valid I'm sorry, work. but it's still, that's a. It is. Spending time with rich men, that's hard work. Like literal emotional labor. Like what what the emotional labor is supposed to mean. Like smiling and laughing and putting up with that garbage so that you can dart your own hattier or whatever the fuck it's called. A hattery. Yeah. And then she was very good at it. Like uh well yeah she had no talent and she had no style. This wouldn't have gone. No, but she did have talent. Right? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she had the She had the talent and the style, and then she got the money to make it happen. Exactly. Yeah. By fucking her way to the top, as as we all should. As you do, as you should, and as I hope one day I can. As is her right. The poor man's nepotism. I'm like, who do I gotta (laughs) fuck around here to make enough money on Patreon to be able to get a hot tub? In 1953, at the age of 70, Coco decided to revive her couture house in Paris after shuttering it 14 years prior. It was, again, Pierre Vertimer who fully financed her return to Paris. <laughs> her comeback okay. collection, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I don't get she it She wasn't even fucking him. But like, I guess, like, she had to be so charming. Like, she must have been. Maybe he was gay. Yeah. Maybe. And he was therefore obsessed <laughs> with Maybe, her. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's why she was so, like, horrible towards him. It wasn't it's even... all falling into place. <laughs> the solution to everything is that these people are gay. Like everything, everything that comes everyone up, in Paris like, in okay, the thirties, no, based on her lo- like her internal logic of how the world works. Everyone that's like a like a sycophant who sucks up to her is just just some queer who loves her. Her comeback collection was received icily by the French who had not yet forgotten her associations with Dinklager but was very well received by the American and British press so here's a picture of Chanel watching her collection being shown from a staircase and 
next. Oh, man, she still looks amazing. Oh, she looks incredible. I fucking hate her. And next, I'm going to show you the angle oh, on this look at photo. That. Like it's so and, artistic. Like, the composition of it, the like mirrors in the back. It's such yes. a good picture. It's very like German expressionist, like. Mandy, you're so smart. I don't know any German expressionist. I, I could not be like, oh, German expressionist. The only reason I know that phrase is because of researching a Hitchcock. Hitchcock. She just yeah. did oh, a okay. Hitchcock so, episode. So I just did the Hitchcock episode. So that's why that's, <laughs> that's still true. fresh in my head. Okay. I have, like, well, remember a little bit about what that is. Hitchcock. Yes. Well, we know that Chanel loves like, some Germans. <laughs> so the next picture, the next picture I'm going to send is uh, a couple of years later, but it's a model in a Chanel suit in 1955. Um, this looks fucking amazing. I love it so much. Oh, okay, there it is. Oh, yeah, that's nice. So she was she was very famous for her suits. She actually the first Chanel suit was like created in the 1920s, but like these uh, late 50s into 60s suits after the uh, comeback are basically still made today like you'll see women walking around in these kind of suits today oh yeah no it, it would still look amazing mm-hmm. yeah like, and this literally like, right now going back to like her roots like this kind of tweed suit that she created was a like made out of tweed that she saw people wearing like hunting up in scotland like so it was very much yeah. like based on sportswear and also be in the 1950s when she came back she made like a she was she was trying to rebel against Christian Dior's new look, which uh, Christian Dior came on the scene uh, in the 40s and like created what was called the new look, which was like these tailored suits with like very um, drawn in waists and like um, peplum. And like it was it was yeah. like very stiff. And she was like, fuck this. Like we're going back to fucking corsets again basically like fuck that i'm gonna create like a functional nice clean line suit that women yeah. can wear to like events or work if i mean i guess they weren't really working and and look professional but like still be able to move so like yeah. it was very much like still a, like um a throwback to her yeah. earlier days so her career continued to flourish over the next two decades and coco continued to work hard throughout her 70s and into her 80s. Marilyn Monroe quipped that she only wore Chanel No. 5 to bed. First Lady Jackie Kennedy maintained a wardrobe almost exclusively of Chanel suits and pillbox hats, which pillbox hats were something that, like, I have read conflicting things, but Chanel may or may not have invented uh, in the 1920s. Uh, But Jackie Kennedy, like... That when you think of Jackie Kennedy, you okay. imagine her in a Chanel suit and a pillbox hat, and she infamously wore mm-hmm. a pink Chanel suit on the afternoon of JFK's assassination. Steadily, Coco Chanel reestablished herself as France's first lady of fashion, but she spent her final years very lonely and bitter in spite of her success. Like, she was somebody who always like avoided getting married, but she always wanted to be loved and she always yeah. like sought that out and she always wanted to be with somebody and it never quite worked out for her. Um, or when a relationship seemed to be working out, he died. Yeah, that's so fucked uh, up. Yeah. Like, I don't want to like feel bad for her, but like that would fuck you up so much. It is sad. It's like very lonely and bitter in spite of her success. And she once said to a friend, there is nothing worse than solitude. Solitude can help a man realize himself, but it destroys a woman. I mean, that seems really specific, but... 
Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like Chanel was going through some stuff. Yeah. yeah she was. <laughs> Since around 1935, her morphine addiction had also reached fairly critical levels. And for the last four decades of her life, she couldn't get to sleep each night without nightly injections of morphine. So she was just like always on horse. Oh my God. At the age of 87, she was still carrying on designing collection after collection, but her health was ailing because of, you know, old age and morphine and cigarettes. <laughs> she did not take care of her body and drinking. Like, I can't believe this bitch <laughs> made it this long and also looked this young. Yeah, I was gonna, I was about to say that. Like, <laughs> 87. I'm like, how is this bitch not dying in her sleep? <laughs> Just like the best genes. It's like, oh, I just have a little little morphine before bed so I, can, <laughs> right. so I can sleep. And I'm like, are you getting so fucked up? And then just being like, good night. Meanwhile, I'm like worrying about the, the damage that I'm doing to my body if I take like a melatonin <laughs> with a Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> On the afternoon of January 9th, 1971, Coco Chanel went for a long drive after which she started feeling ill. She retired to bed early that evening and passed away on Sunday, January 10th, 1971. Her last words to her maid, Celine, were, You see, this is how you die. <laughs> she had to go out being iconic. <laughs> Damn it! She just had to be so good. It's such a good line. She did. Damn oh, it! Such a, that was that's a line to go out on. She knew she was going, and she, that fucking yeah. stubborn bitch was like, "I have to die tonight because I've just said this." Fucking banger. <laughs> oh, I would roll myself down the stairs if I had to. <laughs> she died by pure will. She was just like, well, obviously I have to die now. I will slit my fucking... If I wake up in the morning, I am slitting my fucking wrists. <laughs> Actually, no, she had morphine. Just, just like, Yeah, overdose on morphine. Just like turning over face down in a pillow and just being like, that's it. Um, okay, this is how I die, or this is how you die is also a really good t-shirt. You see, this is how you die. But I'm like, we can't have too many shirts with slogans from Nazis on them. That's so good. <laughs> just, just the one. She had so many good bangers. Oh, oh fuck God. off. What an, fuck. After her funeral in Paris, she was laid to rest in Bois de Vaux Cemetery, Lausanne, Switzerland. And... Just at the end here, I want to kind of quote from an article by John McDonald in the Sydney Morning Herald that kind of, I don't know, it just spoke to me. Chanel's extraordinary career was built on paradoxes. She used artifice to probe fundamental truths about human nature. She conquered the wealthy with a willfully impoverished style and sold timeless elegance to the middle classes. Her success was an act of class revenge, her self-confidence, a weapon that floored her competitors and her admirers. End quote. Gabrielle Coco Bonhor Chazanel once said of herself, I am not a heroine, but I have chosen the person I want to be and am. Too bad if I am disliked and unpleasant. <laughs> and is <it> not <laughs> Finn. <laughs> ah, damn. This it's like it's like it's like if you don't like me, that's fine. If if you don't if you don't like me at my Nazi, you don't deserve <laughs> me at my best. 
Literally <laughs> that quote that's always like misattributed yeah. to Marilyn Monroe, like Coco Chanel kind of kind said of. it. Yeah. <laughs> and also it's like kind of true. Like not if you don't like me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best, but she's like too bad if I'm disliked and unpleasant. She like didn't. she didn't give a fuck. And yeah, like yeah, it's no, interesting. Yeah. Like I think this is the person I've liked the most. <laughs> out of everyone we've talked about and she and one of the most reprehensible and one of the most reprehensible yeah <laughs> yeah she's like the worst but like the there, most... if it weren't for the whole nazi bit she would I and mean, obviously the homophobia whether or not that was real homophobia <laughs> or her like joking with her I'm friends like, or whatever the fuck it was i'm like, like I'm a, it's I'm and the anti-semitism obviously not okay but like there is a part of me that still really likes her and i hate it i don't like how much i don't want to like any of these people <laughs> I respect a little homophobia. The homophobia reminds me of that homophobic alien worm from the last Star Wars movie that, like, every gay person started standing. Do you remember that? <laughs> the what? I have no idea what you're talking about, but I love whatever you're saying. There was, like... I literally have no idea. Oh, God. This is a thing on the internet. Like, so Disney, like, made a big deal about, like, the last Star Wars. They were, like... We have a lesbian kiss in this Star Wars, and it's a big deal. And it like ended up being like, if you blink and you miss it, like the the cut it's was... like two background characters that I don't think one yeah. of them has a name. They just literally kiss in the background, and it's it's not yeah. a big deal. So if you go and back and watch, they can easily you know edit out yeah. for the Chinese for Chinese, yeah. Oh yes, yeah. And I if you go back this. and watch that, like they immediately cut to like a big alien worm puppet that is like the look on its face like it looks like it's fucking disgusted by these queers and that to me is coco chanel like, i don't put a remember of, that put a couple of fucking pearls on that um, alien I, worm I and it's coco motherfucking chanel hold on i'm gonna oh, i do not remember the homophobic worm is it this is it this i bit? need to look Yes, I do, I do not remember. This Look, at at Look at her! Look at her! She's oh like, I God. literally don't I remember cannot this stand at all. Quiz. I do not remember this at all. <laughs> and gay Twitter was like, "Yeah, homophobic charming. worm," <laughs> as we would be about Chanel. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a certain brand of homophobia that's not like I don't want you to not have rights. I don't actually find you like I don't actually have any problems with you. I just find you a little annoying, but like also I love it. I'm reading like, you from yeah, mouth. There, there's like a <laughs> literally there's a bit of um like drag queen homophobia. Yeah, there, <laughs> it's when it's when the like homophobia comes from a place of like it's like it feels horizontal. As, it, this is not something a man could ever pull off. This is not the type of homophobia a man could ever pull no. off. This is like the the like cis gay versus like um like cis woman homophobia that is just a little bit <laughs> of a, an iconic mood sometimes. I'm gonna get canceled for that. Honestly, like Coco Chanel would have been such a good judge on Drag Race. Like if she lived <laughs> long enough, she would have been so mean, and it would have been so funny. Oh, this is okay. Well, no, because she's a Nazi. But I'm like, this is. Can we can we steal all the good parts of her life and use it to write a screenplay about someone completely different who wasn't a fucking Nazi? <laughs> it's such a disappointment. And their name will be uh, yeah, what a Momo Machel instead or something. 
Momo Michelle. <laughs> Not Momo Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Either that, or we just write a screen screenplay about Coco Chanel, and we show her burning in hell at the end. <laughs> It's like a screenplay, like narrated by her in, in hell. hell. Like it starts, it starts off with her in hell explaining, like, like <laughs> okay, like, and this is where I went wrong. <laughs> you might be wondering how I got yeah, here. Exactly. It like freeze frames and does that <laughs> right as like someone shoving something up her ass. Some demons, like some demons, like spraying Chanel number five in her mouth. <laughs> and as she's like mid grimace. That is an iconic moment. <laughs> Using Chanel number five as like pepper spray. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing that at the next protest I go to. (laughs) It's very soup for my family. (laughs) It's like, like, what were you planning on using this for? It's like uh, smelling fucking amazing. For my family. (laughs) (laughs) Chanel number five for my family. (laughs) We all share this, officer. I'm putting that. I'm putting that in this document. <laughs> Chanel number five for my family. <laughs> so I have a tote bag. I have a tote bag that is the Campbell's soup can, and then it says "soup for my family" on it. I really want one that says Chanel number five for my family. But like, really, maybe with like, like a tiny little, like a little Molotov cocktail with like a tiny little. That's adorable. I love that. Yes. (laughs) Really, like reclaiming champagne socialist as like a pejorative term. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, yes, I am a champagne socialist. I would like to redistribute the champagne. (laughs) (laughs) Chanel number five for my family. Yeah, this is a good one. I, I really, uh, I'm glad we did this in two parts. Oh my gosh, is that a fucking siren? It's like the third siren that's gone Can by. Can that siren shut up? I have to pee you. Part. Anyway, that siren this is- shut the fuck up. We're recording our podcast. Oh Can my you God. not have an emergency right now? Not right now. We're talking about Horror von Horror. Leave me this alone. Um, horror von Horror. <laughs> uh, but I really, I like that we did this in two parts and I got to talk so much about like, pre and post Nazi. <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah. She lived such a fascinating life. It sucks that she decided to collaborate with Nazis cuz otherwise I would I would kind of stand her. Stand yeah. her. She, she's so interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many annoying fucks are like, well, things were different back then. <laughs> like so many. And likewise, there's yeah, also a I'm bunch sure. of annoying fucks who are like ready to cancel us for saying that her homophobia was kind of funny. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it was. Like, I'm, <laughs> to I'm be fair, funny. two of us are queers, so like we're allowed to say that, right? <laughs> like, it's okay no, if we like, say it, right? <laughs> her homophobia wasn't like, I mean, okay. The outing of the brother was not okay, but that wasn't her. Um, that's she didn't okay. do that. But she like, didn't do that. When she I say that. it's funny, I mean she paid a gay man's rent. I think it's fucking hilarious, and <laughs> I find it funny because that's how I feel about a lot of gays that I meet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, get away from me! You're hilarious, <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's. It's. I'm sorry, but like, 
I'm not sorry about it. I think that quote wouldn't have been funny if it didn't include the they are charming. No, like absolutely not. I think it's the, the it's charming like, at the end. That's where yeah. it sounds like reca- yeah, textualized. Totally, it, for me. it sounds like she's dragging them for filth, and then she's like, yeah, but I love is, them. Which is like, which is like literally, <laughs> it's their my representation. Is, is yeah. gay culture. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are wretched queers. I love them to death. I would die for them. <laughs> I'll literally pay their rent. It's it's she's she's standing, but like in the most like standoffish and like like I don't like using this word, so I won't. But I want to say like hoity. Uh, the see see you next Tuesday. She's standing them oh, okay. in the most like. As a woman, oh, like, I'm allowing yeah. you to say that word. <laughs> a little, what's a little I'm bit not, of casual uh, misogyny amongst friends? <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> like, here's your one time pass to say this word. Here you I go. St- You're I getting it from two it. women. It's okay. I still won't say it. <laughs> but like, it is. It's such a like. Um, and I, like, I mean that word in like the drag queen yeah. version of it. Right. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like she really was like, oh, okay. I absolutely hate my besties and I'm sorry, but I will never <laughs> apologize for, for that level of like horrible allyship. <laughs> I'll say it cause I'm allowed to. <laughs> I'll say it because I'm allowed to. She was serving cunt her whole life. <laughs> she was. It was great. It, like. <sighs> but now she's dead. And that's okay, too. That's probably for the best. Yeah. It probably is for the I, best. I wish she overdosed she... on morphine in the 20s yeah, like and never earlier. lived to become a Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. Then we could really respect her. And I guess, like. Mm. Yeah, and I get like it, it. I guess part of her failure makes it easier to joke about this and to like to not hate her as much as like we could. Like if she had been, if she had been successful and like got people killed, yes. then mm. we'd be having a different conversation. But she was like just some like fucking loser anti semite who was like, "Oh, I'm gonna help you out, Hitler," and then sucked at it. <laughs> She's like, um, so do you need hacked like, me by an incredibly high person? <laughs> <laughs> Is this so? Like, no. <laughs> no, actually, goodbye. <laughs> if she had been able to get her perfumery back from, from the Wertheimers, like, I feel like I'd be more disgusted. Like, she failed at being evil. And so I'm like... <laughs> I mean, I hate her, but like, there's also a part of me that's like, God damn it. I wish that I didn't have to hate her. I think that's what mm-hmm. it is. It's like, there's like, I mean, there are so many people who are just as iconic, but like, didn't collaborate with Nazis. Didn't do the that. problem is, is that the podcast that we do is like, everyone just completely sucks 99% of the time, except for like one or two iconic things. And there was just so many more iconic things than shitty things in her story that it, it feels, yeah. it's like we're grading on a curve here. Like, yeah. like she she did way less harm than motherfucking Teresa. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, and that's, that's like. pretty incredible. That's the thing. It's like, she's probably the worst because collaboration with Nazis is like automatically. That's yeah. a 10 out of 10 on the like burn and fucking hell yeah. forever scale. Yeah. But like also 
like how she was ostensibly like possibly less racist than Gandhi. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm, yeah, it's kind of hard to like fuck with how this works. Probably also My less homophobic like so up from doing this podcast. I know. <laughs> oh, definitely. She wasn't clearing out any homoerotic art at a temple. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's so hard. Like doing this podcast has really revealed, like, I think on, like an intellectual level, I knew that like a lot of famous people collaborated with the Nazis because like if you were rich, you collaborated. Yeah. Because you were afraid of communism. Yeah. Um, and the Nazis kind of sold themselves as being the um, front lines against communism. And that was basically it. And that's how they got a whole bunch of rich people on board. But like what what this this podcast has really revealed to me is like the people who didn't collaborate with the Nazis are the exception to the rule. <laughs> like even the people yeah. who yeah. were who were part of the allies. It's noteworthy yeah. when you didn't. I mean, like even even people like Winston Churchill, who was like uh was in the like who was like the poster boy for the allies, like tried to collaborate with the Nazis several times and also let a lot of war criminals slide because they were his buddies. Mm -hmm. Chanel was not the only one. Yeah. Uh, And, and again, like he, he wasn't uh, on the allied side because he thought that anti-Semitism was reprehensible. It was just because, like, that's where uh, Britain came down in the war machine. They had to support France. Well, I'm glad that uh, I never stand any of these people. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many people were like, oh, I really used to like Winston Churchill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> More people than you would think. Like, yeah. he's still fucking oh, worshipped in, I... in Britain. Uh, we should probably do an episode on him sometime. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Really hated for sure. Indians. Real racist. What a great personality trait. Mm-hmm. Mm. Common amongst our subjects. All right. Well, that was Coco Chanel. Great job, Hoots. <laughs> Is that our sign to finish? All right. Yeah. Thank you for coming to our first two-parter. Thank you so much. See you on our Patreon. Okay. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Yeah, Woo. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Respect the Dead. You can follow Respect the Dead on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Respect the Dead. If you want to follow us individually, you can find our socials in the show notes. And you should check out our YouTube channels. We don't shit on dead people there as often, but still, we're making tons of cool stuff. If you enjoyed Respect the Dead and would like to support us, there's a couple of ways to do that. You can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. If you leave us a review, we can read it out on the podcast. Reviews are the best way for new listeners to discover the show. Give us at least five stars and then share us with a good friend who likes venting about dead people. You can also give us some money over on our Patreon. Patreon supporters get some cool bonus content like bloopers from the cutting room floor and even coming up with a fake sponsor ad that we'll read in an episode. It has to be a fake business though, not your MLM, honey. Thanks so much for listening. Join us every Monday for our next Worm Feast. I'm Kellen Conrad. I'm Aileen Mandy. And I'm Hoots. 
Bye. Bye. Bye.